Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Good afternoon to all. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing on this glorious day? I've got a special show for you as the Columbus Lions season has ended abruptly in the playoffs against the Carolina Cobras. On the show today, I have Zach Kyleman. He is the host of a podcast called Inside the Walls Podcast. Everything you want to know about the NAL. You can find it in that podcast, and he's had some great guests. I listen to it a lot. It helps me prepare for the broadcast. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much, Richard. Hey, I'm I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to hear I'm getting to help you out a little bit too. Honestly, I try and I think it's I feel it's a two way street because when I watch games, I you know I listen into your guy your guys' stuff. So I mean, you know, it's uh, good to get this little conversation. I guess broadcaster to podcaster. Well, it's very helpful to listen to your podcast to actually get the latest news in the NAL for the broadcast. And really, great minds think alike. You've had Mason Espinosa on your podcast. I've had Mason. Darian Townsend, same thing. I've had him on the podcast, and you've had him on the podcast. So, yeah, it's it's great that we have something that we both love to do. I mean, this podcast uh, – I talk about the Lions all, all the time because on the broadcast, I just go over the highlights. So it's great that you have your podcast and, and it's it's been going great. Well, I mean, th- thanks for the compliments. And I will I'll, I'll add on to it as well. It, it has been going great. Um, we've had you know, we've done this now. This will be year two. We're going to be wrapping up or at least season two of us covering in the NAL that we'll be wrapping up. Uh, last year, we jumped in like two weeks into the season and just started doing this on the fly and um, kind of got better with it. This year we launched our YouTube page finally, and uh, I've been doing it full season. We're the official podcast of the national real league. So uh, no one else can say that, which is pretty awesome as well. And I mean, it's been great to work with the league. I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of bright things coming for the NAL and we get to discuss that with folks um, internally. And I, I think it's pretty cool. So it's it's just to me it's uh i find this is like my passion project of sorts because you know i do i do follow a ton of other football leagues but i've always felt that arena football you know i look at its history and right now i want to see it grow back up after kind of where it's gone so the nal to me is that bastion of where i think it could get back to where it once was maybe two decades ago now, are you affiliated with any of the teams in the NAL? Or are you on the broadcast team for any of the teams? I am not. Um, <laughs> I, I have not been on any broadcast teams. Um, I know I've I've talked with a few other people that have hooked me up or have had me linked up with broadcast uh, members, uh, one of them being the Cobras, actually. So I have never been on a broadcast. It's funny. There's this application I used to use called ColorCast. It, uh, 
and I used to practice like play-by-play on it last year for NFL games, but I have never been on NAL broadcast before. Okay, but you are very close with the league. You followed just about all the teams, all six teams this year. We had a new team, the San Antonio Gunslingers, the Columbus Lions, which I'm a part of on the broadcast team, and I talk about the Columbus Lions here on the podcast. Uh, before we get into the NAL championship between the Carolina Cobras and the Albany Empire, what are your thoughts on the season that the Columbus Lions had from start to finish? You know, I got to give a lot of praise to Jason Gibson and his crew because it's hard to the degree of extremely, extremely muddled in uh, adversity when you're starting quarterback, you know, and no fault of his own. He goes to find an opportunity, you know, going to be an offense coordinator at, at a respected college you know, at DePaul University near where I'm at. And, you know, you have to scramble last minute and figure that out. I, I give a lot of credit to G- Gibson and his crew, uh, Damian Daniels, for having that defense help hold down the fort that first half uh, to through two, three-fourths of the season because that's really what defined them. I think it was a very roller coaster year. Uh, they scraped out wins where they could. Um, they geared themselves up, I think, to put them in the best possible position going into the semifinals that they could get um, with having Mason return towards the end. And the fact that they had that, you know, Daniel Smith was a surprising success signing that, you know, I, I know with arena, it's kind of fluid how rosters go, but if he does come back, that's someone that even if Mason can't return, that's someone that, you know, is a good arm that was right behind, behind Mason this season. And honestly, I also define the, the Lions season as with Gibson, you know, he gets his rosters ready to play, but he did a great job. I thought at getting, talent that is adapted to the iron man game from the get-go you know something i think it was going to be a challenge with all six of these teams this year was going to be how well do they adapt to iron man right out of the gate how do they game plan for it you know you had some of them i felt that you know they were loading up on talent it was going to be about just who rotates out when and where others like gibson's team i thought it was about conditioning and putting the best iron man-esque players on the field um and i think that i think that gibson to me um, showed off what Iron Man can be if you're building that roster to be an all-round talented group. Um, thing is, though, you know they ran into, as we'll talk probably in a bit, they ran into an extremely talented Cobras roster that happened to get some happened to get its its field general back at the right moment. But they put themselves in the best possible chance, I thought, to make a run. Um, just this year, there was a heavy competition with Carolina stacking up their roster and that matchup just kind of flipped in a different favor last weekend. Oh, I like their chances, a three-game winning streak going into the playoffs. We were scoreboard watching, Jared and I, uh, on that final broadcast when the Lions beat the Orlando Predators Mm -hmm. because we were rooting for Jacksonville to beat Carolina. All that Jacksonville had to do was beat Carolina. Columbus would be hosting a playoff I bet you were. I I bet you were. I know know several, like yourself, that were doing the same thing. And honestly, because I've been – you know, I'll, I'll admit I've only been following the NAL for about you know two ish, two and a half seasons, and I've been like, hey, I'd lo- I think the Civic Center would love to host a game, um, because it usually seems that way where it's like where you know they don't always get to host that chance. The last year they did, but you know it's nice to get that crowd more involved for with an extra game there, and I think every one of these teams wants that. So yeah, I mean I understand. You know, it was just going to be it was going to be a challenge uh, one way or another. That's the only thing. Well, I attended a watch party in Columbus uh, Saturday night. We went to the pizza place. A lot of Columbus Lions fans. Columbus got that first touchdown. The whole place cheered. 
Uh, Mason, mm-hmm. that touchdown to Darian Townsend, it's just been great all season long. Maurice Leggett gets that interception. Columbus goes all the way down. I really was hoping they were going to go up 14-0. They do kick the field goal to go up 10-0. And then I knew that Carolina was going to score, and it was going to be a back-and-forth game. But Carolina converted the onside kick. Why did they convert an onside kick during that moment? Probably because they don't want to get in a shootout with Mason. And that flipped the momentum in that game. The difference in that game, the score was 65-51. to 51. The difference in that game was Carolina recovered four onside kicks, two that were attempted by the Lions and two that they recovered on their own. The special teams of Carolina, you're at, you nailed it right on the head. It really it changed specifically the momentum um, of what was going on because I, I thought that Columbus did an excellent job out of the gate early to mid for, midway through the first quarter of taking some of that spark away of the return of Jonathan Bain because um, that, that Maurice will get interception. We talk about it all the time in arena. It, it, arena football at its core comes down to the one or two key possession changes or four and outs that you can get. And, and it's, it's even more so exemplified in this game than it is in the outdoor game. And I thought right there, I'm like, okay, this is what Columbus wants. Mason's here. They have the offense to take on Carolina because Carolina this year, I'll admit, has been – it goes on and off in phases on how their defense operates and how well it succeeds at holding down the, the air attack. And, you know, early on in the game, I was like, this might be one of those games where if you can just kind of outrun Carolina, you might have a chance. I was surprised that Gibson went for that field goal. And, and I'm I'm only saying this because the NAL, to me, I don't see that often. I know in, uh, in like, other – like the IFL, you see a lot more field goals, like a lot more of the uh, – okay, the drive stalled. We're going to kick this one and get the points as we can. The NAL is really not like that. So it kind of shocked me that he took the three. And sure, Carolina got their TD. But I'll tell you, you're, you're right on the head with that. You know, Carolina goes down. They score their first touchdown of the game. And really that onside kick flipped it. Because I think once that happened, you know, A, Bain was able to get his rust, the rust off of him from that, short, from that short few weeks away that he probably saw on that first drive. And B, it just energized the Cobras to where, you know, once they took the lead back, it was just aggressive play calling to me the rest of the way. Defense was in Mason's face the entire time. It felt like unless it was, uh, unless it was, you know, Townsend getting open or forcing every now and then, they couldn't get that third option to get open. And quite frankly, Bain just started leveling up to another level once. I mean, they had three straight running touchdowns, but beyond that, I mean, he looked like he hadn't missed a step since he had injured his ankle back in San Antonio. So sometimes you just run into a bustle like that, but like it feels like just that moment, that one onside kick. And you're right. There were more in that game that were, that kind of flipped the script short field for Carolina, but that specific one, you can look right there and say that that's where the Cobras basically, I won't say go on cruise cruise control, but they basically got their mojo back and were able to just keep the same high level football that they've been known for most of the season. Ings had a great game for Carolina. Jonathan Bain thread the needle in the back of the end zone. I, I was surprised. DJ Myers' name was was kind of quiet. He, he didn't hear his name that often on the broadcast. Yeah, I, I think with Myers, honestly, you know, he's done a lot of damage on defense this season. Um, he's been really good in, in back for their linebacking core. Um, if I'm being honest, too, Carolina, something that they that I'll give credit to uh, Coach Rezanal who by the way, is also the GM of the Cobras. So he kind of constructs the roster as well. He did a great job bringing in 
as many talented pass catchers as possible. Something that Carolina does really well that impresses me compared to other teams. And, you know, I'll, I'll say that some have gotten better at diversifying the rock a little bit. Um, I know like Desmond Reese wasn't in for the Lions. So that probably would have helped in this contest. Um, but the Cobras, they have so many weapons, I think, that can attack you and that can make big plays or dominate a game, whatever. Yeah, Kendrick Ings, obviously, you know, he, he's been a consistent level all year. He's one of their top stars. Myers, when he gets hot, he gets hot. Um, Adam Smith, you know, had that 28-yard touchdown or had that uh, all, pretty much that uh, 48-yard touchdown catch um, that he had in early on in the or like in the second half as well they have plenty of them jamming mean, james summers and lance evans joe powell who also is an excellent corner for them i mean they have so many weapons on this offense that's one of the hardest things to do when you're playing carolina you really have to catch them and be able to catch their defense to me on an off on an off night if possible but you have to be able to kind of predict okay can we can we at least keep any of these guys a little cold because any of them can make and can pretty much make a game impacting moment. And I got to give credit, Coach Rez, he did an excellent job getting this group of receivers together. And it's been paying dividends. It's one of the reasons why they've stayed at number one or two during the entire year. The other game, Jacksonville and Albany, we were kind of watching that game. That was just a crazy game. How about the kicker for Albany, Orozco, getting the mm-hmm. deuce to put Albany up nine points? If he doesn't make that deuce, I think that Jacksonville has a chance to win it up in Albany. And now that sets up for an incredible championship. You're really the two best teams all year in the NAL, Carolina and Albany. It really is. Uh, And I I think, you know, early this year in the year when we were kind of doing a, me and uh, Jim Renier, my co-host, we were doing a preview of the season and it really did feel like based on just the talent amassed by Carolina and Albany that they were going to be here. Now credit, I'll give one thing with Albany. Remember they had Mike faithful to start the season. That was the reason we thought they were going to possibly go all the way. Um, Sam Castronova coming on, which ironically was the Cobra starting QB for a good chunk of last season. I didn't see that one coming out of left field, but he has been stellar um, MVP level. I actually voted for him as my MVP um, for the season. I'll be glad to put that out there. But I mean, they, they've obviously been the number one, or you can argue number two, just because the fact, I mean, the Cobras have won all three matchups against the empire, but the empire clearly are still a foe that you cannot, you cannot sleep on, um, offensively talent across the board. Um, I would say they're a little less diverse at receiver than say Carolina, but still, I mean, Aaron Washa, Darius Prince for crying out loud. I just need a name, mention that name. What else can I say? And Dwayne Hollis, you know, coming as a, to me, a potential Ironman of the Year candidate in the way he's played all year um, on both sides of the ball. They, I mean, they have receiving talent as well, and they're able to run the ball. I mean, Sam's legs, Trayvon Shorts, the switch to him as the running back this season or later in the season was an excellent call by Damon Ware. Um, and I'll tell you, they have, I think, the best a chance to take on Carolina in this one because of the fact that they have their entire roster back together because Roscoe was out for a while. Uh, I think he was still he was still recovering a little bit, even getting back into the swing of things. And you're absolutely right, Richard. That that second deuce that he landed late in the fourth quarter, it really did solidify their position in pulling this one out because I think their defense did just enough to hold on against Jacksonville. Jacksonville was for the most part on its A game, sands one or two possessions, 
uh, or play calling choices during this one, uh, specifically looking at that end of the second quarter. If you remember that whole uh, goal line stand, three straight runs and then a reverse. I I was kind of, I don't know about, actually, I want to ask you, were you surprised by that play calling? Yeah, I was a little, I was actually watching over on, on that other TV at the watch party because we were all optimistic fans thinking, Oh, that Columbus is never out of this. I mean, they could always find a way to come back. They did get a defensive stop, but there was still a slight chance that Jacksonville could pull it out Mm -hmm. and we would be hosting the NAL championship at the Columbus civic center, but you know, they would have to beat Carolina, but yeah, that was on my mind. Uh, I would have loved to have called another game with Jared Dillard on August the 13th. But, uh, yeah, I did see that play. Hmm. I, I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, because that also, I think, changed some of the perplexion or some of the complexion of this game. You know, it did, I mean, an excellent uh, interception later on by Williams to, uh, or Solomon to flip the game for the Sharks to where it was back and forth. But, you know, I, I, I kind of look at that play in particular, and Jim did too, where it's just like, if the run's not working, I mean, sure, it's a tight field but you might want to switch it up a little. I, I, I give Jacksonville credit though. They, you know, the, the sw- some of the adjustments they made this season, they start off uh, to a rough start, but everyone, I think even, you know, us, we we knew that they were going to still be a threat. They were close losses. I mean, their week one, they lost overtime to your, to your guys' lions in what is, uh, you know, really kicked off the season uh, on a high note, I thought. And, you know, it, they went out, I think with the best way possible. And honestly, not only just for the fact that, you know, they, it showed that they had recovered and put themselves in a position to win, you know, for how their season had turned out. But I, I define it as what I consider as ideal arena football in what we have in this landscape right now. Um, I, I always look for, if I, if I get a game that has two sides that are hitting 50 to 60 plus points and it's going to come down to the wire, which in arena one minute is an eternity that's high quality football right there. Absolutely. Yes. And, and the best, and the best part is it felt like a clean game. There was nothing I felt that really intruded on what was being called on the field. Like it was, it was a good quality arena football game. That's what I want to see as much as possible is games like that. All right. And I know that you've got a podcast that's going to preview the NAL championship. So I'm not going to ask for a prediction because I, I want to keep your audience in suspense because oh, sure, you know sure. I, I don't want to, have you have you know use all your material on my podcast when you know you got a podcast to do leading up to this nal championship oh we got like uh (laughs) let me think here as of today we have another uh, five recordings plus our preview um because i mean we're doing kind of like we did last year but to an even more extreme degree we are going to be doing interviews with both championship teams so oh nice we're gonna do we're going to do one interview at the least per team for a player. Um, we're going to interview both coaches. So you'll get interviews on inside the walls with coach Resinalo and coach Tom Anas. Um, and then we're going to do an exec. Now credit Resinalo is also the GM. So we're going to basically make it a two for one. Uh, but we are going to have Jeff Levesque, who is the uh, president, the team president of the Albany empire on as well. So it's going to be five interviews. We're going to be doing that over the course of this coming week and a half. And then, uh, also, our own final walkthrough with the with the pre with my uh, prediction on there, which I'll tell you, Richard, I I it is early still, early ish still, um, but it's kind of hard for me. I like, I think if you're a fan, and then this isn't going to give me a prediction. I'm just telling you folks out there. Um, I think if you're a fan, like you look at like sure the Cobras won three straight, but a it's got to be stupid hard to win four times against a team like Albany, 
And B, you know, I think all to me, Albany has continued to get better throughout the year and they've changed up how they played throughout the season. So I, I do think this is going to be close no matter what. Like, I, I think this is a good NAL championship we've got. These are the two best teams in the league. You are going to have fireworks on August 13th. All right. So we are going to close out this show as uh, I'm going to get your awards predictions. Like I know you have a vote, which uh, that's pretty cool. So just tell me, just give me your pick and I'll give my pick. So we're going to start with MVP. Yeah, I'll reiterate. Uh, I got Sam Castronova as mine. I think he was the surprise, just out of nowhere, um, impact player this season. Um, his his capabilities through the air and with his legs. I think his legs, um, as well as his good passing ability, is what how he's getting better all season. To me, those two aspects with how much he scores, just it put me in it put him in front of my other candidates. And he's also, I also look at length of time that you're able to play as much as I hate to count injuries as part of it. Um, I'll admit that's part of my choices. So the fact he only missed one game, some other candidates, unfortunately with injuries missed a few more. Um, I got to go with Sam here though. I, it was hard for me not to pick say like a Jonathan Bain, but Sam's my guy for this season. All right. I do not have a vote for this, but I'll be asking the commissioner of the NAL if it's possible that my Diller can get a vote because we really oh, want to vote on this. Well, I, well, I think I think you and other announcers uh, announcers should. Um, I, I'm fine with putting this out here because I mean, you are media, so I think I'll I'll glad and I'll put this right here I, after we get off this. I'll gladly vouch for you because I think you oh, guys definitely you. should get a vote. Like that's my honest opinion. All right. Well, my vote for MVP, if I had one, is Darius Prince. Mm, I think it's a good choice. All right, offensive player of the year. I'm going to start. Uh, I think it's going to be Robert Kent. Yeah, I like, I like Kent. I mean, Kent led in, led in uh, passing yards too. And you could argue is the main reason why San Antonio turned their fortunes around and were close to even getting a playoff seating. I do not have Kent here. I actually have Darius Prince at Offensive Player of the Year. Um, but, I mean, that's not to degrade, say, like an MVP choice. I just, I just think that, uh, you know, his QB throwing to him just had a little bit more on him. That's not. An, I hope that's not an insult. I feel bad if that is, but that's that was my logic on that. All right, defensive player of the year. Uh, defensive player of the year for me. Uh, you'll like this. I got Kerry Starks. I do too. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, okay. I'll be. I actually want to ask you what what uh, what's done for you for Kerry? The ten sacks, leading the NAL in sacks, and <laughs> and, and the pressures. You got to also. It, how many times? Did a quarterback drop back and he put pressure on the on the O line? Mm-hmm. That that's exactly the the sacks alone to me are, are why I have it. And uh, ten sacks to me in arena is just impressive because of how quickly you get the ball out anyway. You know, you I, I don't usually think you should get to double digit sacks in this league. So so ten sacks, you know, constant pressure, just the motor that he has. That's it. That speaking of Jason Gibson, that is a Jason Gibson player. If I've ever seen it, someone that basically he is a, a motor. He plays a hundred percent all the time. That's the definition I think of a lions player. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. He's my defensive player of the year. All right. Special teams player of the year. Now, are we including kickers or is it just return specialists? I had, well, I did, I actually did a return specialist. So I, I kind of put anyone kicker of the year it would obviously be tc stevens for carolina well now yeah because that's the thing they do because you have obviously nal first team nal second team 
So like there's a special teams player of the year option. So that one had a mix of both for those. So you could do either one. So you, you had a, did you say a TC Stevens as the kicker, but as, as far okay. as special teams player of the year, I have Darian Townsend. Ooh, I t- Townsend to me was my second choice. I had to go clear shot though. And, and that, oh, that's Khalil. a hard one. I think. Yeah. Khalil Rashad. I mean, he was, he was a beast for San Antonio. Yeah, that was a hard one because Townsend, you know, and you and I, you know, we both talked. I mean, guys, guy had an impactful year. So it was hard for me not to pick. But Khalil Rashad, you know, I think right off the bat, he was doing just as much. It could really honestly could be either or. Yeah, maybe Townsend didn't have the numbers because they stopped kicking it to him. Well, that's also, I mean, hey, we, we you and I know the ball was an issue later on. So that also just helped things a little bit, too. All right. Uh, we are almost done, uh, Zach. Uh, we got comeback player of the year. Ooh, comeback player of the year for me. Mm, I'm trying to think of last year because I didn't. I'll, I'll be honest, this one wasn't on the award vote. But if I had to do a come, honestly, I'm going to put Sam Castronova. It's funny because I mean, my logic about you know, you see him last season. Uh, he gets knocked out with injuries. He's he's nowhere near the level he was this year. Like I, if that's to me, that's as close, that's as close of a flip in a year over year basis as you can get is what Sam did this season. And I got to be a Homer. I got Jarmon Fortson of the Columbus lions. Okay. I could see that. All right. We got two Ironman player of the year and coach of the year. So the Ironman player of the year is I, this is where I had Darian Townsend. Okay. That's actually a very good pick. Uh, He, he was an offensive weapon. He also had some big interceptions. Uh, I actually, my, my Ironman player of the year is uh, DJ Myers. You know, that's not a bad choice either, though. It, I, I, lo- I really like what he did, um, and he was, he was one I had, I had consideration to. Townsend, to me, I think why I picked Townsend is because not just two phases, but he was dominant in three phases of the game. I think that's what stood out so much is like you had the you had the guy that you could put in any one of the positions or any one of the, the parts of the game needed and he can just go take off and make plays. You know, DJ though, I'll tell you, for the Iron Man setup this season though, dude gets a lot of praise. Uh he was definitely for me um a first team all NAL. So he was my selection in that in one of the in the mat in the Mac linebacker role there. Man, Zach, I, I tell you, if, if people in Jacksonville are listening to this podcast, they're they're probably going to give me some criticism for not voting any <laughs> Jacksonville players. I mean, I mean, look, they. I'll tell you one thing: Arvell Nelson stood out. If you're a Jacksonville fan, Nyquan Murray, I think, deserves a lot of a lot of praise. Um, he had an excellent uh, De- NAL rookie season. Devin so, Wilson. Devin Wilson, obviously, and I feel bad because Wilson, you know, he had injury issues to start the year. Uh, I won't go into other things, as you, as folks may know, um, with uh, the one incident in San Antonio. But I mean, obviously, Devin Wilson. What what can you say, dude? Dude's talented out there as well. Uh, Rob Jones, you know, he he's had impact. You know, he was with the New York Streets at one point, and you know, he was solid. But that that's and I, I imagine Jacksonville fans are like, yeah, you're kidding me, but like, hey it's a it's a talented core of people you know um it, it's hard to have everyone vote on top you know like even if i go to orlando like clarence williams i i had to sneak him in at second nal uh, all nal but like he had a heck of a season under the radar for the predators 
if you look back at this year. He was a stud. All right, and our final category, Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year, I have Gibson. Um, and that's not <laughs> – I know I'm going to say this right now. That's not a homer pick. I'll say what I said at the beginning of the an, the analysis of the Columbus season. When you're presented like, with a challenge the way you were of having your MVP quarterback all of a sudden out of the picture leading up to your first week of the year and you're scrambling and you're able to claw out enough wins, you get to the position you are where you finish seven and five. I think that that deserves a lot of praise. Uh, I, I, I think that's what defines a good coach. Someone that gets his guys ready to go, puts them in the best situation, works with the pieces he's got and is successful in the process. To me, he's the coach of the year. Just, I was really impressed at how they kept the ship afloat. They got to the point where they could, they put the best possible team on the field at the end of the year to make a run to either either host possibly or go to Albany. So it's Jason for me. I have as well. When you face that much adversity, mm-hmm. starting five quarterbacks, you had Darren Daniel, you had Danny Southwick, Daniel Smith, uh, you had Tommy Neely, Jarmon Fortson was even in at quarterback. They just weathered the storm, went on a three-game winning streak, finished the regular season with a 7-5 and five record. I mean, yeah, Coach Gibson, he's got my vote for Coach of the Year. Absolutely. I, I, like, I love – I love his philosophy of just, you know, like I said, with this team of, you know, you do your job, you give, give, give it your all. You're never out of a game. That's something else you got to give him praise. Cause I mean, you know, he, I, I, as we talked about with, uh, inside as if we see on inside the lines, uh, that, that the series, the documentary from last year, you know, it, it, an arena game is never over until the final, until the final horn is sounded. I mean, you can be down 20 and still pull off a comeback. So, you know, I always have liked that philosophy of his where, you know, just keep, keep pounding, keep grinding, you know, keep looking to the final goal. And, you know, I think that they exemplify that this year in that it's a 10 game. It's, it is a, you know, a 12 game, a 12 game season. And, you know, it's all about getting one of those four playoff seasons. And he did a great job. I think he earns a lot of praise and he should get that coach of the year nod come, uh, come pre-championship game here next week. Zach, it has been a pleasure just having you on the show with your knowledge and your insight in the Arena League and talking about the Columbus Lions and everything in the NAL. And I had fun and good luck. I know that you got this championship game coming up and and I can't wait to be back for 2023 and and we'll definitely have to talk again uh, next year. And it's going to be a fun year as we have more expansion teams, a team from Fayetteville and then possibly another team and i'm really looking forward to calling games next year yeah i'm excited for next season you know anything i've talked with the league going into next year there's supposedly you know or at least if as long as things go the way they are there should be several exciting announcements come this off season obviously i can't say anything because they would grill me and it would of course be, it'd be bad you know i just i'm just being fun i'm just you know trying to be funny yeah. with it but but yeah like I, i'm look i like where the nal's going um I hope that the, you know, with Iron Man, for example, I mean, keep going and growing that back up. You know, I liked how it got, it got to a normal this at the end of the year. And there's just a lot, I think, positive. I, I like what the NAL is doing. I like the brand of football they bring. And I think that that is, to me, it's the best version of the game out there. And I will not shy away from saying that. Oh, you are absolutely right. And uh, 
great job as always. And um, I'm really a fan of your podcast. I enjoy listening to it. And I'm definitely going to be listening to the next episodes leading up to this championship game between Carolina and Albany. It's going to be a blast, man. As just, I'm going to end with this. If you're a fan of the game, it's a celebration of the game here on August 13th. Let's have a fun time. You're an NAL fan. Let's come on out, have a blast, and watch two great teams battle it out. It's going to be fun. Can't wait to talk about it with you after the season's over, too. Absolutely. That was Zach Kyleman, host of Inside the Walls podcast, who is just gracious enough to take his time to be on the show. Thank you, everybody, who has been listening to the podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. I'm also on Twitter. And I hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.